Over a week ago, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey and Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti announced the creation of the Big Ten SEC Advisory Board, which is exactly what it sounds like. This is a joint advisory group that is going to be a consult for the two leagues, but won't have the authority to implement changes. This is per Pete Thamel and in an article written about eight days ago that gives a lot of good information that we're going to come back to today in this video and will be linked down below in the video description. I encourage you all to check it out. But with this group being created by two commissioners that are proactive and that are successful in their endeavors, and they're the commissioners of the two top conferences in the top sport of collegiate athletics, I have to think that this isn't going to stay an advisory board. This isn't going to remain the same for years down the line. I feel like the Big Ten and the SEC are making a wise move. That They are being proactive and that they are being pragmatic. As we know, the SEC and the Big Ten, ultimately one of them would prefer to rule over all the others, but they're both competitive. So why don't they join forces and potentially spearhead the demise of the NCAA? Or at least build the foundation for a future oversight committee if the NCAA ceases to exist? Which, upon doing research for this video and checking out the thoughts on the Big Ten and SEC Advisory Board slash group, my conclusion that we're going to be discussing throughout this video is I think the NCAA is going to die in a short period of time. And I think that starting in the 2030s decade at the latest, college football is going to be totally different from an organizational and structural standpoint, being that the, the NCAA is no longer there to manage different things and to set in rules and enforce rules. It will be a completely different sport from that front within less than a decade in the future. But welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. Before we dive any deeper into this video, please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and click the notification bell so that you can get notified when I release more college football, Big Ten football, and even SEC football content. College Football with Sam is primarily a Big Ten channel. It's the best Big Ten football channel on YouTube. But along with my early Big Ten predictions, along with my top 25 videos and other videos that talk about my 2024 predictions, there will be an SEC predictions video that will drop. So regardless if you're a fan of any team from any Power 4 conference or really the, I'd honestly say Power 2, I think the SEC and the Big Ten are obviously in a league of their own, this channel's for you. It's called College Football with, with Sam for a reason. Even though I mainly focus on the Big Ten, I do touch on other conferences and bring them into the conversation as well. Comment your thoughts on the future of college football, on the future of the NCAA down below. And if you want to support the channel, please purchase from my merchandise page down in the description or below in the pinned comment. Or you can subscribe to my Patreon as an all-conference, all-American, or Heisman member. There will be bonus content on Patreon for all-American and Heisman members 
this week is I am doing a once a week a once a week type bonus content for all American and Heisman patrons. But to get back to the topic at hand, when I heard this news drop a little over a week ago, again, I thought that, well, these two conferences are trying to undermine the authority of the NCAA, and this is going to start a war that will likely end in the NCAA's demise. Well, it's not exactly what's happening here. Again, going back to this article for Pete Thamel, within the first three paragraphs, it's announced by Thamel, who's a extremely reliable source, that this is just going to be an advisory group. And this group is going to be consulting the SEC and the Big Ten. They won't have the authority to implement changes. And I think Sankey specifically said that they're going to try and advise the NCAA as well and not undermine the authority. The further details remain unclear because this is something that's just been announced, and we have to see with the passage of time what this turns into. Uh, The Big Ten and SEC are sharing ideas to carve a path forward in college sports. I think that is one of the bigger takeaways here. The NCAA leadership is confused. We see this from how they're going about, I think, trying to put a cap on name, image, and likeness deals, whether it's Florida State and their recruiting violations or Michigan and their recruiting violations or they tried to crack down on Tennessee and Tennessee's fighting back. It really feels like the NCAA is acting out and almost acting out of desperation and trying to exert their authority in a sport that right now is going through turbulence. Name, image, and likeness is getting further and further out of control. And a friend of mine who's closer to the Michigan program than I am told me that Michigan now has an NIL donor of its own. I don't know exactly how true it is, but it wouldn't surprise me. The longer the longer that the current, I guess, code of conduct resumes, more schools are going to have donors flock to them, which means more athletes are going to get paid. The salaries of these athletes year in, year out are going to be out of control. And these players aren't unionizing. The school isn't directly paying them. Rather, the school's almost using loopholes to pay them, or they're encouraging donors to pay them. It's weird, it's strange, it's something that I don't exactly understand, and I'll probably make a future video where I have greater understanding on all of this, which is why we're mainly going to be focusing on the college football aspect of this while touching a little bit on the NCAA aspect in general. But I look at everything that's going on, whether it's in college football or whether it's in college basketball, and and these changes, these rule changes, the breaking down of some rules, the obvious breakdown of authority, is not just impacting the individual athletes, for better or for worse, but obviously it's impacting different groups. It's impacting different schools, different conferences. I think that right now in college football, due to the transfer portal, and transfer portal rules might be relaxed even further, 
Right now, it's you have one free transfer, and then other times you have to appeal to the NCAA for immediate eligibility, and they'll probably give it to you, but with the example of Tez Walker, sometimes they'll withhold it from you. Eventually, you may have an unlimited amount of free transfers with immediate eligibility, and it's likely that whether it's in the near or long-term future, athletic departments and schools will be directly paying their athletes. They will no longer be student athletes, or maybe they will, but with a big asterisk next to that title. In college football, something I have noticed is that teams don't have the same depth. We haven't in the past three seasons, really the first three seasons with the transfer portal in full force, with NIL in full force, and it's a very, it's not a big sample size, so we can't make too great of judgments on it, but 2021 Georgia was not a super team, 2022 Georgia was not a super team, 2023 Michigan, not a super team. And an opinion that I have that I'm going to share in future content, and I I bet this will ramp up in spring and summer as more transfers occur. I think that 2024 is going to be an overall down year. I think quarterback play is going to regress because Drake May, Caleb Williams, J.J. McCarthy, they left, Bo Nix left, Michael Penix left. You have, and there's even other quarterbacks who I probably haven't mentioned, great quarterbacks who've departed. Jaden Daniels, Heisman winner, he's gone. And for context, as the quarterbacks who returned, I think Carson Beck is probably not an elite gamer at quarterback. I think Quinn Ewers is overrated. Michigan, my school, I don't even know if my quarterback has a reliable arm, whether it's Jaden Denegal or Alex Orgy. I hope they're good, and I trust the staff, but I don't know. And Ohio State's bringing in Will Howard, who might have a worse arm in terms of accuracy and overall skill in the passing game than Kyle McCord did. He's just gutsier and has legs, so he's more athletic. And most people prefer athletic quarterbacks over Ben Roethlisberger-type pro-style quarterbacks. But anyway, the point is, these rules and the NCAA, I think, falling apart and no longer having authority... There's more chaos in terms of administration and in terms of authority and enforcement of said authority and rules, and we're seeing that chaos translate on the field. We are seeing it. We are seeing, I mean, this season, Ohio State was 11-2, and for example, and they were the 10th best team in the country in the final eight people. There were several teams that went 11-2 went and two or 10-3. and three. A Penn State was 10-3. and three. Typically, a 10-3 and three finish in the Big Ten will get you inside the top 10. A Penn State was outside of the top 10. We had chaos in the college football playoff. Florida State, they got left out at 13-0. And Ohio State got left out at 11-1. Georgia got left out at 12-1 for crying out loud. I mean, in the final, the final college football playoff rankings, there were six teams all in the top six. Six teams with 12 wins or more in the top six. And someone had to lose. Someone had to get left out who 
had an argument to enter the four-team playoff. So there's chaos everywhere, but I feel like I'm rambling. What's the future of the NCAA? And by the way, in basketball, you saw this last year where the national championship game was between San Diego State and UConn, and UConn just annihilated, annihilated San Diego State, very much like how Georgia killed TCU. I mean, you are... You're seeing chaos, but all this chaos will do in, in the terms of UConn, who's won national titles in basketball, and Georgia, who's won them in football, the chaos will benefit the top, and it will benefit teams in the middle who are content with not winning national titles, but content with being Cinderella stories and with getting to a national championship or winning a playoff game, but not going much Further. I think there is a chance that while this chaos could benefit everyone, it could also make the poor poor and the rich richer. You're certainly seeing that with the Power Five getting better and the Group of Five getting worse as a lot of great players from the Group of Five now just transfer to the Power Five to get better exposure. Now, within the Power Five, I think that there's more equality of opportunity because Power Five schools... For example, with conference revenues, they all get paid the same base level, so they can use that money accordingly. Doesn't mean that all universities have equal resources, but again, the future of the NCAA. I think that as conferences continue to dig further into their niches, that the NCAA will fall apart. There's an article by Yahoo that I want to link down below as well. And it talks about how the ACC and the Big 12, I'm actually going to read read parts of these. The ACC and the Big 12 have a role in the future of college athletics as well. This is not just an SEC or Big 10 thing that we're talking about. The ACC and the Big 12 have impact, and their impact is mainly basketball. It is. In in this article, it's mentioned that the Big 12 and the ACC, and accurately so, make up the top conferences in college basketball. Let's look at basketball power index on ESPN. The top 25 teams in BPI, basketball power index, are Houston, Big 12 team, Purdue, Arizona, they're going to be a Big 12 team, so let's count them. Alabama, UConn's Big East, Iowa's Big 12. That's three right there in the top six. Auburn, Tennessee, Illinois, Duke's 11th. That's four in the top 11. North Carolina, that's five in the top 13. Baylor, BYU, that's seven in the top 15. Kansas at 18, that's 8. Texas at 21, that's 9. And then Texas Tech at 25, that's 10. 10 ECC or Big 12 teams inside of the top 25 in BPI. And, and Houston, by a mile, leads all teams in basketball power index. They, they lead Purdue by about two and a half points, which is an insane BPI margin. The Big 12 is extremely strong in basketball this season, and the ACC is historically strong with Duke and North Carolina, who are considered 
very strong blue bloods. In college football, the Big Ten and the SEC rule, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, those are the top three teams in FPI from 2023. Oregon, who's going to be in the Big Ten, that's four. A Penn State, five. Alabama, six. Texas is going to be in the SEC next season. They were in the Big 12, but let's count them for argument's sake. Seven. Oklahoma, SEC. They're ninth. LSU, SEC. That's 10th. Nine out of 10 teams in the top 10 of ESPN's FPI last season. Every team in the top 10 but Notre Dame are going to be either in the Big 10 or the SEC next year. The Big 12 and the ACC are clearly better basketball schools than the Big 10, I think. And the Big 12, I think, is definitely better than the SEC in basketball. Now, my basketball knowledge is not nearly as good as my football knowledge, so take that with a grain of salt. In football, it's obvious that the Big Ten and the SEC are better than the other two power four conferences, the Big 12 and the ACC, at football. Case in point, these two groups, the Big Ten and the SEC, more more so the leaders of the pack, the revenue drivers, the ones who carry the biggest sticks, they're planted in football. That's where their interest is. You even see that with Michigan, how Ward Manuel in the athletic department is very focused on Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football, or they were, and now they're focused on Sharon Moore and all those hiring processes. And meanwhile, Jawan Howard's getting blown out basically every other game or every road game as Michigan's head coach in basketball. And that's just one example. Or Ohio State taking as long as they did to fire Chris Holtman after most of Ryan Day's staff has been set in stone. They have an offensive coordinator, and they made sure to use their NIL money and donations to, guess what, get Caleb Downs, Julian Sayan, and Quinshawn Judkins. And Brett Yormach has been very straightforward in saying we want the best, the best, big, we, we, want, we want the best basketball conference in the nation. And they've done that. Example from this article, going back to it, the Big 12 is arguably the country's most competitive basketball conference, and they're adding Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah next season. And the ACC is the most historically successful hoops league with the most NCAA tournament wins and final four participants over the last decade. And the Big 12 under your mark has been expanding. They're, they've been very aggressive both in college football and in college basketball and in, in all of collegiate athletics. They're trying to survive and build a niche. And next season, the Big 12 is playing a basketball game in Mexico City, Kansas versus Houston. That's going to draw travelers. That's going to draw a crowd. And that's good to get an international audience that will help the Big 12. And the ACC, although I thought that they should have acted earlier with conference expansion, but at least they got SMU and added Stanford and Cal. At least they got some scraps rather than not eating anything and not intaking any calories. So I look at the future of the NCAA, and I think that colleges, conferences, and states are challenging the NCAA's oversight. You're seeing that with Tennessee and even their attorney general coming out and challenging the National Collegiate Athletic Association. And I think that conferences like Big Ten and 
the SEC and even the ACC and Big 12 is they're all going in their own directions and trying to solidify their foundations and solidify their futures, I think it's going to tear the NCAA apart. I think that the NCAA, as we know it, will cease to exist by the end of the decade. It's a prediction of mine. Maybe it ages well, maybe it ages poorly. We'll see. But more on this advisory board, because this is where we can talk about fun things like further expanding the college football playoff, the Big Ten and the SEC. Maybe we can have a fun conspiracy chat about how this advisory board could be the future of the SEC and the Big Ten agreeing, okay, you get all the ACC schools in Florida and all of the Big 12 schools in Texas, and the Big Ten gets Clemson and the rest of the ACC and the Big 12, or something of that sort. I'm just saying these things off the top of my head. The math wouldn't would likely not add up for all of that, but it is what it is. These two conferences are the biggest college football conferences, so it makes sense for them to collaborate. Neither of them are going to beat out the other. Neither of them are. The SEC, yes, more competitive in the college football playoff, in the college football playoff era as we know it. Better recruiting, yes. But the Big Ten, as showed with Ohio State in 2014, and as showed with Michigan last year, they can beat the SEC. They can. And the fact that they, when they beat the SEC, they do it with inferior talent, you got to give them props there because that means that they have either superior coaching or superior development and strength and conditioning. If you have a base level of talent that's higher than your opponent and your opponent beats you, they had a better strategy, their players were more motivated, they had some kind of advantage to compensate or overcompensate for your advantage. Both on the field and in terms of revenue and TV deals, these conferences can't beat each other. And at one point, one of them may surpass the other, but it will be like, it'll be more so in a Cold War type manner, where the United States and the Soviet Union were in a Cold War in a war of words and diplomacies for around 45 years, over four decades. It will not be in a World War II manner where the Allies beat the Axis in a grueling six-year campaign, and it's, it, it's short, and you clearly know who the winner is very quickly. In fact, you know who's going to win before the end of that conflict. That's how I think it's going to go down if one of the Big Ten or SEC overtake each other. And I don't see that happening right now. So why wouldn't they collaborate? Sankey and Petiti, I think, are on a similar page, and I think they have an aligned vision for college football's future. Kevin Warren started the Big Ten's expansion in reaction to the SEC expanding in a surprise move of acquiring Texas and Oklahoma. And Gosh, that was forever ago. To me, that's just... It's crazy to think about that that was so long ago. But the commissioner who preceded Kevin Warren... Page was just loading because Wikipedia is down. But um, his name... I forget his name. But he was very instrumental in keeping the BCS around longer than most people wanted. He was opposed to a college football playoff, as he thought that it would diminish 
regular season games. I don't think that's the case with any of these two commissioners. I think it's obvious that they want the playoff to be big. And if anything, it's more likely that they want the playoff to be further expanded without auto bids. Because since the SEC and the Big Ten are obviously the two best conferences in the land, the less auto bids you have and the more spots you have, the more the Big Ten and SEC are going to be represented in the college football playoff, which means they receive more money, both via TV revenue and for now from NCAA awards as well, although the TV revenue is so much bigger. You also receive more pride because you get more wins and wins in the sense of like whether it's the NFL playoffs. That's when you hang banners. You don't hang banners for having an undefeated season. You hang banners for reaching the AFC or NFC championship game or or winning it or winning the Super Bowl. That's what you hang banners for. That's what you those are the most important trophies. And it's becoming the same thing in college football. The Rose Bowl when it isn't a playoff game, and that's not going to be the case in the future, it'll always be a playoff game. But the Rose Bowl in 2021 was viewed as a consolation prize by Ohio State, as an example. In 2011, or, yeah, 2011, because the BCS was still around, a Big Ten team would be honored to go to the Rose Bowl in 2011. That would not be viewed as a consolation prize, even if it was Ohio State going to the Rose Bowl and, let's say, Michigan, Michigan State, or Penn State going to the national title game. It would be disappointing, but it wouldn't be viewed in the same way. Having as many teams in these conferences going to the playoff as possible, reasonably so, is going to be the goal, or one of the goals, I think, of Sankey and Petiti in this advisory board. The board is not attempting to undermine the NCAA's authority for now, but this could change very quickly. I expect these two, as well as the Big 12 and the ACC, I feel like the SEC and the Big 10 will be the biggest proponents of this, and the Big 12 and the ACC will play along because it, it'll give them some small and marginal benefits, and they don't want to be even further behind. I think the Power Four will want to expand the college football playoff further. The new college football playoff deal only runs through 2025, so there's only two guaranteed seasons where this 12-team college football playoff with six auto bids and the top four teams have buys is in place. And apparently I heard that there's a vote trying to be heard where the auto bids is going to be reduced to five because the six auto bids was meant so that the five Power Five conferences would get an auto bid and the best group of five champion would get an auto bid. But with the Pac-12 being dismembered and it won't exist this season, now you have two group of five auto bids which I think is very toxic because that means whoever, likely whoever the five and six seeds are, are going to get, let's say, Boise State or Tulane, for example. Imagine Alabama or Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State or Texas or LSU or Oregon or even Florida State or a, a good Big 12 school like Utah. Imagine them hosting a group of five school in a playoff game. They would destroy that group of five team. In a certain sense, if you have six auto bids and two of them are a group of five, to a certain degree, I think you're really giving the top six buys 
It's just number five and number six have to at least play for a half or a quarter. But maybe I'm underestimating group of five teams there. I don't know. I think they will want to minimize auto bids, and they'll want to expand the playoff to, let's say, 16 teams. And in a 16 college football playoff, 16 team college football playoff, I don't think you would have to have auto bids to get a group of five school in. If a group of five school goes 13 and 0, they will be in the top 16. In fact, they'll probably be in the top 15. Tulane was 12 and 1 in 2022 and they played they played USC and they beat USC 46 to 45. Tulane, in a Cotton Bowl game that was awesome, where, you know, Tulane came back, they were top 15, Tulane was. And Tulane, being in the top 15, they were 11-2, ranked in the college football playoff top 15. So if you have a 16-team playoff, I don't think you're leaving out the highest-ranked group of five champion anyway. They will probably be in the top 15, And if they aren't, then frankly, I'd say they don't deserve to get invited. I want a high quality. I care more about quality than quantity. Now, I thought that in the case of this season, 2023, I think that there are other years like 2019 that are a great example, which were just very competitive years in college football, that the field was too small. But I don't want a... 16 or 24 or March Madness type college football playoff if we're going to get a ton of blowouts. And that's why I'm against auto bids, specifically for numerous group of five schools or for conference champions. I don't want too many Cinderella teams who will just be the equivalent of pancakes for the Bears that are Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, Oregon, so on and so forth. I've also seen talk about the SEC and the Big Ten trying to leave the NCAA and maybe establishing their own college football playoff. And by talk, I just mean people expressing some of their predictions or theories. I don't think that's going to happen, but I will think, or I do think, that these two conferences will help spearhead the NCAA's demise. That's all I wanted to say for today. This was a different episode of sorts. I honestly talked outside of my comfort zone, so let me know if you think I got anything wrong, if you want me to expand upon any of these thoughts in a shorter future video. Talk to me down in the comments. And before we close out, thanks to Crash2488 and Justin Rogg for being Heisman patrons. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst and Armani Torres for being All-American patrons. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, Subin Zah, and Janisha Cockrell for being all conference patrons. Have a great day, guys, and make sure to follow the channel if you're listening on Spotify. Good.